It's time to shed light on the over 30 million souls who enter a nightly battle with obstructive sleep apnea. Join award-winning board-certified otolaryngologist Dr. Mullen Kandula and best-selling author Jason Tierney in Out of Breath, a special six-part podcast series that will set the record straight on the topic of sleep medicine and dentistry. Let's dive in. Mullen, how are you? I'm doing great, Jason. Yeah. Good to be here. Great to be in Milwaukee. All of my travels, this is my first time here. I couldn't believe that. I know you were talking about that. I mean, how did you miss this lovely town and all of those travels? Never again. (laughs) (laughs) Although we we got some humidity here for you, right? So you got got the Arizona sort of uh, uh, vibe going on. But I get the break from the 115 back there and I get uh, 90% or whatever it is humidity here. (laughs) Gotcha. That's good. And yeah, this is actually, this is the first time we've ever met in person. It is. Right? It is. All of the conversations we've had, and, and this is our first time meeting, so yeah, this is great. This uh, is great. The, I'm trying to think about the first, I know that on a previous podcast that we did, that mm-hmm. I did, uh, you were a guest on there, but I'm trying to think back to the first time we met, yeah. or the first time we spoke. Right. I think uh, you were... You were expanding your your enterprise, the Advent uh, uh-huh. enterprise, and you were looking to incorporate oral appliance therapy more. And we had a conversation yep. uh, during uh, the, the early days of COVID. Correct. Yeah. And I was I was uh, a little embarrassed to tell you, but I was in a rooftop tent mm-hmm. somewhere in Nebraska or something, Got driving it. around the country having this conversation with you about uh, oral appliance therapy. Yeah. And uh, I was impressed by your advocacy for it as a treatment modality because I don't hear that a lot from physicians. Mm -hmm. So that was really impressive. Uh, And then I think we just sort of fell out of touch. And then you were on the podcast Mm -hmm. and that was an episode that we got a lot of great feedback from listeners. Okay. Um, I know that Dr. Aaron Elliott was, was really impressed by your, your appliance advocacy and your, uh, interest in just all different, uh, therapies, right. You know, not, not having a a one size fits none, uh, solution. And then, we didn't talk again for a while. Mm-hmm. I think we might have exchanged some texts or something about music. Correct. Yeah. And now we're here. What happened between the music texts and now <laughs> to bring us here? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think you're you're going to have to. You you were a witness on the ground of something that happened. I guess there was a meeting and. Philadelphia, uh, it's been a little bit ago at this point, a few weeks ago, where apparently, um, you know, what we're doing at Advent um, touched some nerves, uh, brought up some, you know, question marks. And and then we touched base again on the back end of that. And it was really, um, you know... I don't know. We'll talk about that. I'm sure at some point. But regardless, I'd say, I I mean, you know, I think that... um, the repercussions of that um, situation got us back talking again, and um, that brought us here. So honestly. here we are <clears throat> in here Milwaukee, are. in person, in Milwaukee. for the first time. So yeah. yeah, good. Yeah. So let's. I mentioned Advent. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Advent. Yep. Can you just talk a little bit about who you are, what Advent is, and 
why we're talking about this. Yeah. Uh, so Advent, it's a medical practice. So it's, it started as an ENT practice. My wife and I started it back in 2004. General ENT, you know, doing general ENT things. And that's you know, obviously my training. Um, and, you know, I think long story short, over the first 10 years of practice, general ENT, particular focus on nose and sinus, um, focus on um, sleep apnea in particular. So this is to, just so people understand the time frame. 2000 and, you know, we started in 2004. So 2004 to 2014 was kind of doing my thing. And what really transitioned the practice to being what it is today was me uh, interacting with the patients, the my patients that I was seeing, and many of whom who had sleep apnea, and all of whom, uh, all is a strong word, but most of whom uh, had suffered uh, wounds from interacting with the healthcare system prior to getting to me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what, what I ended up being able to do for them was, well, like, let's start at the beginning here. Let's make sure your nose and your sinuses are working. And, you know, long story short, we were able to do that in a very simple manner. And then let's make sure your throat's throat is open when you're sleeping at night and go from there. So, you know, but basically once I understood how, um, broken, um, the healthcare system was in relation to sleep apnea in particular and airway issues, upper airway issues in particular, um, I decided to do something about that. Mm -hmm. And so you could talk is cheap. People talk a lot. Um, very few people do. And, you know, sort of really about 2014, I decided to do, and sort of the do is, um, is Advent. So Advent is a medical practice that focuses on nose and throat issues. We call it the breathing triangle. Mm -hmm. Um, and what is the breathing triangle? triangle? It, it literally, you know, from a, it, from a concept, it's your two nostrils and the back of your throat. So if you look at those areas and you connect the dots, you create an upside down triangle. That's the breathing triangle. Okay. Um, you know, the breathing triangle was my attempt to put um, construct a framework around um, the most important area of the body um, and um, make it understandable to people uh, out in the world because they don't know. I mean, I think, and I say this often and I don't think people appreciate how misunderstood um, sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea is as an entity. Um, people know the term. I don't think most people understand that 100% of the time it's coming from the back of the throat. Um, and when I say most people, I mean, uh, I mean, everybody, I mean, doctors, I mean, dentists, I mean, um, you know, lay people, people don't understand those concepts. And, um, and, you know, once you break it down and you explain it to them and then you're able to do something about it, it's, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So when, when you made that shift, you said that there was, there was this problem and it was time, there's a lot of talk, there's time for mm -hmm. action. Where does that propensity for action come from? Um, I'm a surgeon, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a surgeon and you know, there, there's a fork of the road when you go into medicine, either you basically like to get stuff done or you like to, I'm trying to be nice to my medical medis, medical colleagues, non-surgical colleagues. You like to, um, uh, work on abstract problems, you know, kind of, um, it's, it's not so action oriented. So, you know, as a surgeon, um, you know, the reason I went into surgery is I want to, with my hands, be able to change somebody's life. And, and that's, what I'm used to doing. And so seeing this problem that's sort of sitting in front of me and knowing, and this is the, another reality with this is I'm an ENT, an otolaryngologist, so a nose and throat doc. Um, 
These issues that we're talking about are nose and throat issues. They're not pulmonary issues and they're not psycho psychiatry issues. They're, they're nose and throat issues. Now, you know, people have sleep issues beyond obstructive sleep apnea, but for people who have uh, obstructive sleep apnea, for, for people who can't breathe properly, those issues are um, literally in their nose and throat. And it's not that complicated when you break it down. Basically, you either can get the anatomy more open so they can breathe. If the lining needs to be calm, calm it down, um, but get things open. And um, anyway, I think that that's that's the action. The action is is everything I do and everything I've ever done is on behalf of, of the patients who are sitting in front of not just me at this point, but my clinicians. And and what we are here to do is to do everything in our power to make sure we are bringing them the lives that they deserve. That's why I'm here. And um, you know, and it it, <laughs> it 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 that's an unusual mindset. I've come to learn. That's my mindset. I don't know. I've always had that mindset, but you know, um, you know, various powers that be seem to have different interests in mind uh, as it relates to patients. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that uh, the healthcare system, as it's currently created, is um, cares about the system more than it cares about individual patients. And um, the system matters. A patient doesn't matter. Um, you're just a cog in the machine. And at this point, the cogs are people, mm -hmm. patients, uh, providers are cogs in the same machine. And um, there's a tacit, uh, I don't know, agreement that <clears throat> it's not about finding solutions. It's simply about keeping people moving through the system so that the system is perpetuated. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not a system kind of a guy in that way. Meaning when I see something that's broken, whether it's an airway or whether it's a system, my mind cannot help but to, to think about what can we do to fix it? And that's what I do. And I mean, part of that's just how I'm wired. Um, but you know, part of it's how I'm wired, but the other part of it's an attitude yeah. and a mindset. But a lot of what you're talking about really makes you an outlier in that system. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, what I've recognized is that, um, you know, what to me seems very uh, innate and natural is, I mean, right, today, right now you're sitting across the table from me. So um, if you were my patient, uh, my duty, the reason I'm here on this earth is to do everything in my power to make sure that you are as optimally functional as, um, you know, whatever your potential is mm -hmm. and if whatever, however that's being impacted by the conditions that might be getting in your way, I want to get them out of your way and I want to do that in the simplest and most effective way possible. That's why I, that's, that's what I do. Um, I have come to recognize, and it's not a new fact at this point, um, but the, the problem with that attitude is that attitude is very disruptive to the system I just talked about. And, um, you know, I, I tend to, um, you know, <laughs> how do you say that? The, the slings and arrows that fall upon me are um, not new, not unusual, and it comes with the territory. And, you know, what I view is just, this is how I, um, I can't imagine uh, a career or a lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, thinking any other way. So I, I think the way I think, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, and because I think the way that I think that's helped at this point, thousands of people, and it's also pissed off thousands of people. And I, I, I tend to focus on the former and I acknowledge the latter. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of the people in the latter group are people that are practicing um, in ways that are antiquated. Let me just sort of make it simple, which when I say that, it sounds like, well, I just 
threw something out at them. I'm just returning a little bit of friendly fire that in that direction, but I, I simply don't understand. Um, and I won't really tolerate, I guess, I think the, the sort of, uh, we've talked about this a little bit. There's something about me that, that's, um, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. That pisses a lot of people off. Yeah. I think <laughs> what, what earlier do you think that I, is? I said yeah. you're, you're an odious character yeah. to some. Yeah. And what is that? What do you think that is? I think that you're unapologetic mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and you're brash <laughs> and unafraid. Okay. So understood. Th- there's your, your bromides for the day or your insults. You could take it. No, as you no, would. none yeah. of those are insulting. I, I, I take pride in all of those things. I mean, I think that's where, um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm I am who I am. I'm, I'm a unique self and I'm probably the least important thing that we'll talk about. But regardless, I'd say there, there's a reason why we're here. And a lot of the reason why we're here is, uh, because of, you know, some of the, um, disruption, if we want to call it that, that, that I've been, you know, part of. Yeah, sure. And, and part of that is, you know, what really brought us here uh, was to talk about Advent's role in providing oral appliance therapy mm-hmm. to patients with sure. obstructive sleep apnea, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's a, uh, oral appliance therapy is something that's traditionally been in the purview of, of dentists. Mm-hmm. And, um, while the American Academy of Otolaryngologists says that uh, uh, it's within the scope of practice for ENTs, for yourself, mm-hmm. um, a lot of dentists, uh, you know, kind of sneer at that. <laughs> at right. that. Right. Um, so can you just talk to me about sort of how you became aware of, of dental devices to treat sleep apnea and then... Let's start there. I mean, how did you become aware of them initially and when did you start incorporating them? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember the specific instance. I, I believe because, I mean, <laughs> it's the, not tattooed in your like brain. A, it wasn't, it wasn't like the big epiphany, yeah, but Eureka. it was, um, I, 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 you know, I, so basically just, so I'm trying to backtrack here. I, I went through, uh, ENT training from 99 to 2003. I, I don't think oral appliance therapy was certainly wasn't anywhere what it was um, today or even 10 years ago. So sometime between my training and, uh, you know, adoption is where I learned about it. But I, I want to say, I mean, it's 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 got to be um, more than 10 years. Um, does that sound right? I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I, th- I feel like there's there's a lot of things I don't know about the um, the oral appliance therapy or, or dental sleep medicine industry, which you, um, we haven't really talked much about you, which you are deeply knowledgeable about that. Um, I think you could educate me on some of this. So I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I'll just, I'm going to flip it back your way. I'm happy to kind of take it back again, but I guess you tell me, uh, can we go, maybe let's start in a different direction. Can you give me the timeline or can you maybe, I mean, I, I'm sure there are probably a lot of people who are listening and watching who have no idea what we're talking about as far as oral appliance <laughs> therapy. So I guess, can we start there maybe? What is oral appliance therapy? How did you get involved yeah. with it? Um, sure. Start so so oral, oral appliance therapy is essentially uh, devices worn over both arches, mm-hmm. uh, to both dental arches, almost like uh, two retainers that are joined together in some way um, and hold the lower jaw, the mandible forward yep. to maintain an open airway. And uh, I've been involved in that field for uh, the field of dental sleep medicine for a little under 20 years. Okay. Um, 
Initially, I was a business unit leader at a really large dental laboratory that, mm -hmm. and, that started uh, fabricating and selling these devices to dentists. And um, over time, I worked on developing some new oral appliances that are still in, you know, made to this day and marketed to, to dentists and I guess ENTs mm -hmm. to this day. Mm -hmm. Uh, and later on, I actually left and went to, so that was in a big corporate entity. Sure. And later I left and went to a, a relative startup that was uh, an EMR mm -hmm. for, for dental sleep practitioners and grew that business and uh, then decided it was time to do something different and left there and started a boutique uh, consulting firm mm -hmm. for, for dental sleep companies. Uh, during that time, I also, I was editor in chief of, of a couple different dental sleep journals, but, uh, yeah, I've been, you know, sort of immersed in that world in a bunch of different, uh, a bunch of different verticals, you know, or channels in that, that same vertical. I got you. Um, so all over the place, all over the place. Although, yeah. so would you say you were there relatively speaking at the inception? Of yeah. dental sleep medicine, I mean, not at the inception, but certainly um, the trajectory, the growth trajectory. I was there when that really started to to rocket. Gotcha. And and there was no controversy whatsoever at that point in time. Everybody accepted the fact that dentists are going to be in this space. That's not true, correct? There was controversy. I'm sure there was there was some uphill battles that had to had to be undertaken. Yeah, uh, there, back there, in the day. Certainly. I mean, there, there's always been. Uh, you know, it's it's an emerging market, right? So yeah. there, there's there's everything is a challenge, right? Yeah. Um, creating awareness. I mean, you sort of touched on that earlier um, about OSA in general, mm -hmm. where physicians don't realize how crucial it is to address the issue. Yeah. Dentists don't know about it and patients don't know about it. So, you know, you talked about the breathing triangle. I often talk about this sort of Venn diagram mm -hmm. where, you know, the, the, the overlap would be a lack of awareness between sure. physicians, dentists, and, and the public. Well, and, and so I'm aware, and so our listeners are aware too, why was there a need for an alternative therapy? Um, why, why did dental sleep medicine uh, come to yeah, well, be to begin with? Well, the most common treatment modality is CPAP, or mm -hmm. is PAP, right? Okay. And, and you know, the literature supports that it works, uh, it works really well, but compliance is really low. Yeah. So you've got this very effective treatment with very low compliance. So how effective is it really? Uh, oral appliances, on the other hand, are typically not as, for, for, the, for the majority of patients, are not as effective at lowering HI. Mm -hmm. uh, but compliance is very high, depending on what, what study you're looking at, it's somewhere between 80 and 90%, yep. which is more than double of what you see with PAP. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's really where uh, oral appliance therapy has, has become uh, more widely accepted. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to do, yeah. as you're aware. I mean, well, adoption is low. When, when, when you look at oral appliance therapy, where you know th the numbers are abysmal yeah. when you look at that compared to the uh, PAP prescription, uh, 
right. habits of physicians. And, and just so people are aware, so abysmal, like my, the numbers I have in my head are, is, is that I believe for obstructive sleep apnea, um, um, the, um, whatever the, the percent of folk, percentage of folks are using oral appliance therapy is like five or 6% of, of treated individuals. Does that sound right to you? Or that, is that sounds high. That's high. So yeah. it would be, it's, it's, it's single digits. Let's, yeah. we can, we can agree that maybe it's single digits. It's, it's either, you know, whatever, let's call it low single digits. Um, and, and, you know, 20, 25 years, however long that, that oral appliance therapy has been going, um, would you consider that a success? Of course not. Okay. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, is it, a, and it's, you know, the journey's not done, correct? Sure. But that's, a, that, you know, and again, just so people are aware, my understanding is, and there are other countries like the Scandinavian countries where there's a little bit more of a uh, clear pathway for individuals to get diagnosed with sleep apnea and make a choice between oral appliance therapy and CPAP. And in those countries, I believe what I've heard is it's more like 50, 50, you sure. know, it's, it, does that sound about right to you? Or? Yeah. I don't know what, about the exact stats, but yeah, it's, it's certainly that those are the trends. And, yeah. but to your point earlier, the system here is broken. Yeah. Right. Right. And there are a lot of, you know, uh, interests, corporate interests that, uh, influence, you know, those prescribing behaviors right. that inhibit, um, information. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, for the sake of this conversation, I'll just call them turf wars, right? Sure. You know, there's these sort of fortress mentalities. Um, and frequently what I've heard and what I've seen from a lot of dentists is while they, they understand and embrace the importance of having a referral or re relationship with a physician, they oftentimes uh, complain that it, that and here, I'll, I'll paraphrase, right? Sure. So I'm, this, this is, uh, I'll, I'll call him Dr. Dumas, <laughs> D-U-M-A-S. Hmm, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. Dr. Dumas says, gosh, all these, you know, patients hate their CPAPs, yeah. uh, but every physician just puts patients on, on CPAP. That's, mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And the physician, we can call him Dr. Whatever. <laughs> Dr. Physician. Yeah. Dr. Physician says, you know, every patient, uh, uh, these dentists, they don't take good care of the patients. They slap them in one of these oral appliances. They charge them $6,000. They don't take insurance. They don't follow up with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, my patient's miffed. Yeah. Right? Right. And so you've got these, these two polar opposites, right? These binaries. Yeah. And the, the truth is neither one of those. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. No, I think that's accurate. So, so how has that happened? And what is, how do you bridge that gap? Um, you don't. <laughs> you just burn it. You, you, you burn that you, bridge. You, you create a, uh, they, they, basically, you know, I, I, human beings are, are very interesting creatures. We are, and we're very tribal. And when you get tribes that are separated and created, and now you want to kind of, you know, do the kumbaya and we're going to come together and everything's going to be fine. Um, it isn't, um, you know, you could bring the peace pot, you could do whatever you want to do to make that happen. But there are, what you described are stereotypes about both, um, the call, we'll call them parties. And in my opinion, and maybe it's not true, but I believe that there are kernel truths that are buried within most stereotypes. Okay. So let's yeah. start with, yeah. let's start with the physician one. Cause yeah. you could probably speak most to that one. Right. 
Yeah. So I, let's let's sort of state that with clarity. I'll just restate. I think what you said, which um, physicians uh, have a one track mind when it, when it comes to sleep apnea. Well, what, a couple of things. Physicians as a whole. Here, I'll say it clearly. Okay. Physicians put everyone in a CPAP, mm-hmm. and they um, disparage oral appliance therapy. They say that dentists. It's not covered by insurance. Dentists charge the patient an exorbitant amount of cash, and uh, they don't work that well anyway. How about that? Um, fair, although then I'll go one step up the ladder. You know, I would say 99.9% of physicians- Wait a minute, you're gonna one-up me on this? On this one, yeah, because I'll go 99.9% of physicians, and I'll say 99.9% of dentists have very little understanding or regard for sleep apnea to begin with. It's not even, it's not, they, they hear about it, but it's sort of, it's a problem they don't know what to do with. So I, I think the ones that, uh, let me, to, to kind of go back to where you were going, I'd say, um, what percentage of physicians um, know that oral appliance therapy exists as a treatment for obstructive sleep apnea? All physicians. Pause there. Yeah. What percentage of physicians even know that obstructive sleep apnea is really a problem, can identify the signs and symptoms and have an idea about where to go from there. That's my 99.9 are do not. So, you know, we're start. I guess I, we're, I, I think we're in, we're sort of saying the same things coming from a different angle, but basically what I'm saying is that, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, we're talking about, we're in rare air when we're talking about physicians who, know what sleep apnea is, really know, um, have any regard for sleep apnea, really have a regard, and are now thinking about treatment options and are actually putting people into treatment. Um, th- that's that's a very small sample. So if we want to go to all physicians, and, and why I'm going to all physicians is because all physicians uh, and all dentists are the ones who are in front of all patients. And so if you want to understand why the system's so screwed up, then you understand the fact that most patients are never going to sit in front of any, they're never going to sit in front of a clinician who has any regard for these issues whatsoever. So if you don't start there, which is sort of the place I try to start, um, you're not going to do anything. You're really, at the end of the day, you know, this is where it's so pathetic in my mind is these turf wars um, between the CPAP uh, evangelists and the oral appliance therapy evangelists. And let's throw the inspire evangelists in there for, for good measure. You know, you, you guys are having turf wars over a skinny sliver of pie that at the end of the day, isn't even approaching any semblance of reaching the population. Yes. And I, I think that I think if I said that to any of those camps, I think they'd all agree. Yet then they they'd all look over at me and they say, "Yep." And then they turn at each other and then they they throw the pitchforks out, right? Yeah. So you know, I, but, but let, let me just so I guess I just want to sort of start on on high, and I'd say, no, I think I know that to be true, and that was one of the things that pissed me off back in the day when I was seeing patients, and you know, the, the world's changed a bit since you know, sort of, I kind of got an epiphany on this, but it hasn't changed that much. And in fact, let me just go this way. Um, you know, you know, at Advent, we haven't really talked about Advent a ton, but you know, we are a direct consumer uh, practice. So we try to increase awareness to treat breathing triangle issues, the nose and throat issues. And, you know, we've got, uh, you know, 17 clinics, we're in four states. So, you know, yay for us, but we haven't even like, we, we're, we, 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 haven't in the grand scheme of things actually done anything um, that needs to be done. Meaning that, you know, just so people understand the, the, the gravity of this situation, 
20, 30% of the adult population in this country has an obstructive sleep apnea. 80% of those individuals never get diagnosed. The 20% that do get diagnosed, most of them try and fail with CPAP. Most of them, I, I, pretty, pretty, when I say most, I mean like 100% of those folks have never heard of oral appliance therapy. So it's not even on the radar screen. So that's, that's, this is the measures of success that we're looking at, and it's pathetic. Um, you know, then you look at what we're trying to do, and we're trying to increase awareness. We're trying to increase awareness, awareness for all treatment, treatment options, but we're also trying to increase awareness for the fact that these issues exist, they matter, and people's lives are, you know, irreparably damaged. People die from these issues. Um, and, you know, while a statistic for the system and the statistic doesn't, or the system doesn't actually care for that, you know, they don't care about those individuals. I do. Um, and I, I, and I believe that, you know, um, my dental sleep medicine colleagues do. And I believe that those sleep medicine docs that are putting everybody in CPAP, I'm not sure that they do because that's such a, you know, when you're throwing something at somebody that has such a low adoption rate, but I'm going to give them the credit right now to say, I think they care too. But um, unfortunately, the small amount of individuals who care about this care, many of them care a lot. Although in the grand scheme of things, we still haven't moved the ball at all on, on this. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I guess, I'm, I mean, I don't want to be nihilistic, but I am uh, realistic. And, and at the end of the day, I think, um, let me just, I answer, I didn't, I kind of skirted around what you asked me. I'd say, we talk about stereotypes between physicians and it's a CPAP or, you know, CPAP. And that's true. I mean, I, I think that's, and it's, it's infuriating, but it's true. Why is, why is that? Let me just kind of look like there's, why, why do you think that, um, you know, we'll just say sleep medicine doctors, why do you think that's the, the the only option for them probably because you've been they've been inculcated with that education with that information mm -hmm. that's what they know that's what they've done and anything that's counter to that is is a disruption to you know and in, in some ways their beliefs yeah gotcha. and and as a result of that uh they most people don't want to open their eyes to it and i would say that that same thing is probably true for dentists and oral appliance therapy. You know, here, this is the hammer that I have. Yeah. So it's the only damn hammer there is. Gotcha. And, and do you think it's a, so basically, I guess what you're saying is you think it's a, a, a culture, a education, this is how somebody's wired, you know, kind of a thing. Is there a, you know, when, usually when I see a problem that's uh, for which is a solution, I don't know if that's proper grammar, doesn't seem to make sense. Um, if it doesn't make sense from a pure like logic standpoint, then I go follow the money. Um, and, and is there a follow the money here thing here or not? You tell me. I, I, you know, I think it's, let me, I, I think it's um, enticing to think that there is, but the reality, meaning that, hey, if I was uninitiated and I'd say, geez, there's this thing called sleep apnea. Like when I started in training, people didn't know what sleep apnea was. And then all of a sudden everybody had it. So let me just go to a different, slightly different direction. So there's a kind of a buzz on the street that this is like a made up kind of a thing that there's some sort of somebody's, somebody's gaming the system that they've invented this thing that everybody now has. And now they've got this treatment um, mm -hmm. they're going to throw on you. But you know, let me just kind of fast forward through the, through the ages. Then I'd say, do, do sleep medicine doctors get um, monetary reimbursement for putting people into CPAP machines? What's your answer? The answer is yes. 
My answer is not in the way that I think you think or most people think that. I mean, the, the reimbursement that most most physicians in this country at this point are employed by hospital systems and other, and other entities, and there are various laws and things in place. And so, I, I actually the, the the reimbursement that a sleep medicine doctor gets for putting somebody in a CPAP is simply the um, the, 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 the visit fees for you to come in, but there's not really currently, I mean, there's, there's things in the works as far as remote patient monitoring, so forth and so on. But as far as what's really happening today, there's not really a monetary factor as much as, as much as you, in my mind, I'm like, I always thought that was, but I actually don't think there is. So, th so then what is it? Then, then why, why the, the emphasis on it? You know, I think it is more about, I kind of led you in a blind alley purposefully, sorry, but <laughs> meaning the whole money thing, because it's, it's very, it seems very like, oh, it's gotta be, but it really isn't now, you know, but I, I think it really is, it's what they know. And, and, and then it's like, well, what else, what, what else is, let me, well, let me, I'm giving a little more credence to, to your colleagues mm -hmm. by saying that I think it's because it's their, their behavior, their habit, it's what they know. Yeah. Because I, while I think follow the money, mm -hmm. you know, I think they think that there's an aspect of that. Um, I think it's really more about just, this is what I do. This is what I've always done. This is what I learned. Sure. And, and you know, you see it a lot. I'm, I'm gonna take us in a slightly different direction, but with, with dentists and oral appliance therapy, a dentist goes to a course they, you know, sort of a dental sleep 101, mm -hmm. they learn about wh whatever company hosted that course, yep. they learn about that device. Yeah. And they probably go to another course by that same device manufacturer. Yeah. And they become zealous uh, about that device. Sure. So any other device manufacturer that says, well, our product does this differently, this better, we have a faster turnaround time, it's more durable, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, how, don't you dare, don't you dare cast aspersions at my, yeah. my you know, device of choice, right? Sure. It's, it's almost a, this a re religious affinity for it. Yeah. And I think that the same thing happens with, with uh, a lot of physicians in, in TAP, it, you know, yeah, but we've all got to open our eyes. Yeah, right. Although we, you know, it's, it's hard to there is no it. panacea. Uh, there is no panacea. Um, although when you're talking, what you're talking about, uh, I was thinking, what what animal is that, Jason? It's a sheep. That, that's a sheep. That's yeah. a sheep. So what you were just when I when you were saying describing what you were just describing, I was actually thinking about what do most sheep do? Where what is it? Where does a sheep like to be? In the pasture with their herd with other with, sheep with their head down yeah. and sometimes just sort of, you know, mining, you know, mining their thing. So, I, I mean, to me, when I, I talked about tribes and, you know, as you're describing what you're describing to you're me, talking about herd mentality, herd mentality, I'm in the pack, I'm safe here. Um, I'm completely, um, incapable of any effective action, yeah. um, cause I'm a sheep, um, you know, but, I'm here with my buddies, you know, and I yeah. think that's, I think there is that tribal aspect. And so and, and both that, ways, that is where I think both of us, right. We're kindred spirits in a sense, mm -hmm. uh, in that neither of us are, are sheep. Yeah. Right. We, uh, tend to walk to the beat of our own drum. We don't mind upsetting the herd and going in our own direction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, 
we're uh, oftentimes out of step. Yeah. And uh, with that said, earlier you mentioned that there was no way to, you know, sort of join hands and say kumbaya. Right. And I want to say, let's give it a try. Mother. <laughs> All right, here we go. On three. One, two, three. Kumbaya. kumbaya. There we go. Next time on Out of Breath. For, for a real meaningful shift to happen, mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be a tectonic shift sure. to, to alter the landscape. That's probably happening, but it's slow 